right, guys, welcome back to Shades of Strong, where we are working diligently to dismantle the myths and the stereotypes of the strong Black woman by facilitating conversations that encourage Black women to uncape, unmask, and unhide so that they can be whatever shade of strong that feels right for them. I'm Cheryl, one half of the dynamic duo that is the Shades of Strong co-host. Natty will not be joining us in this episode, but this episode still promises to be all the things because I have my sister queen, Lakeisha Carter, who is joining me in the virtual studio today. And y'all, she is ready to pour it all out. So trust, y'all don't want to miss it. Hey, Lakeisha, what's up, girl? What's happening? How you doing? Hey, girl. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. Listen, y'all, if y'all call any of uh, any of the previous episodes in season four, you know that we are taking a really deep dive into the things that Black women have lost to the Superwoman cape. And so this episode is not going to be any different from the la- from the ones that we've done in the current season. So if you haven't listened to the pre- previous episode, I just got one question. What are you even doing with your life? <laughs> Like, seriously. But no, I'm kidding. But seriously, if you have not checked out the previous episodes, please go and do that. We, Like I said, we, we're taking a deep dive into some of the things that we have lost to the Superwoman Cape as Black women and how we can begin to move from that space into a space where we are not living our lives based on the expectation of others or based on the expectation that we have placed on ourselves. So by all means, please check out those episodes. With that said, I did invite Lakeisha on to share pieces of her journey to uncaping, but not only to share pieces of her journey and her experience, but to really shine a light on the mental and emotional effects of what rocking the cape can, can cost us or how she has experienced rocking the cape and what that looked look like for her so hey Lakeisha again welcome to the show sis how's it going it's going well thank you so much uh, for having me I'm so excited (laughs) yeah I'm excited to have y'all Lakeisha is actually one of our loyal listeners when she if she's listening to an episode and it hits her like in the right spot honey she sends me a message and says sis this is what I needed today (laughs) (laughs) Right, <laughs> and we are and like see I am so appreciative of her reaching out and saying those things so she reached out one she listened to a message and I mean to an episode and she decided that she wanted to share part of her, her journey with our listeners because she feels like it will make an impact in the lives of other black women so I am super excited to have her on today before we dive into the conversation y'all know follow us on all social media platforms we are shades of strong everywhere so let's dive into it, Lakeisha. My first question for you is, what has rocking the Superwoman cape looked like for you? Has that changed over the course of the years? And if it has, how has it changed? How are you living your life differently? Oh, my goodness. You know, that's such a great question. And I've just been thinking about it over this time. And, you know, some of the things that came to my mind was being voiceless people pleasing. And with that, I built in a lot of anxiety, just a lot of anxiety around 
being voiceless and, and pleasing others more than I've kind of pleased myself. And so that's, that's kind of in a nutshell, like what it has looked like for me. I hid a lot. I didn't want anyone to hear any, any of my thoughts or anything like that. I just want to do what everybody else wanted me to do, right? That people pleasing, you know, making everybody else happy around me, kind of like slowly dying inside because I was, I was losing myself, right? You can lose yourself when you don't have a voice. Absolutely. When did you know it was time? For you to do life differently? I want to say I'm very self-reflective. So I think it's, it's like I've, I've known it, but what kind of like made me say, you really need to reach out and get some help was when my father died last year in 20 May of 2020. So much hit home. And I just was like, I, I, I have to do something has to change because I couldn't live like that anymore. Just, just trying to like really unpack all of that myself. I couldn't do that. So is is it safe to say that you walking around pretending like you were okay, even with the death of your father happening, you being silenced, you know, not being able to speak up for yourself or speak up against perhaps that was in a work workplace or, you know, maybe with your family and friends. Is it safe to say that the, the cape itself was costing you your mental and emotional health. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because I even felt like with, because, because me and my father wasn't on good terms, he kind of walked out of my life and abandoned me. I felt like, I felt like I didn't have room to grieve because people feel like, oh, well, he wasn't there for you. Why are you so upset why are you sad that in turn made me feel like again voiceless because I I knew that was one of the narratives people thought well you have a stepdad he stepped up and and became your father why are you grieving over him because he left you and so definitely like being so I, I I needed to get my voice in it I needed to get my voice around why just losing my father and unpacking that so let's talk about, because you keep saying voiceless, let's talk about what what voiceless, specifically what it looked like for you and what it felt like for you to not be able to to speak up. I, I do recall one message that you sent me where you were saying that you weren't able to speak up freely at work for fear of being labeled some of the things that they label Black women angry and yeah. all, all of those things. So talk talk about what being voiceless actually looked like for you, not only on, in the workplace, but even with your dad, when people were saying that you, you don't have a right, because in essence, what they were saying is you don't have a right to grieve because he wasn't there for you mm-hmm. anyway. So yes. talk about how you began to step into your voice and why, and did it make you uncomfortable when people were saying that? Did you feel like you had a right to grieve? You know, um, I will first go back to like, what does it look like, right? What does it look like when you are voiceless? It just looks like you're in a moment, you're, you're in this world and you're just walking. You're just aimlessly walking. You, you just do what everybody else wants you to do. 
point. That's it. Like whatever, whatever they tell you to do, however they tell you you're supposed to respond, however, you know, you're like a robot, a programmed robot. And society had programmed me to, I felt like anytime I ever spoke up, I was reprimanded or I wasn't heard or I wasn't seen or my emotions wasn't validated. They, they're like, oh, you shouldn't feel this way. So I was kind of gaslit a lot of making me feel like I wasn't able to feel or be authentically me, right? That's what voiceless looks like. you don't you don't have the permission to be authentically you. What it felt like being able to not grieve, it was it was heartbreaking because I I love my father even though he abandoned me. My love doesn't go away because he left me and just because I I'm grateful that I had a man who stepped up in my life, but that still doesn't take the place of my biological father. And so when did you when did you find the courage to speak up for yourself? Or how did you find the courage to speak up for yourself? Literally, when he, when I found out that he died, I was kind of like stuck a little bit because he was in California and I was in Ohio. And I had to do a GoFundMe just to get out there. So, so I had to, first of all, get a voice by putting myself out there and saying, I need help. Most people, especially in my situation, who is voiceless and who feel like, she doesn't, the strong black woman, she don't need anybody. This was a hard thing to do. So asking people that I don't even know and people that I do know that, look, this is what happened. He had no insurance. I need help. And so that was one way I got my voice back. And then I saw people support me. Then I was able to get out there and, and, and go handle his affairs. And then I came back home and that's when I realized I still need to unpack this. So I reached out and got therapy. I started my therapy journey in June 2020. So my father died in May. Right as soon as I got back home and settled, I knew it was time to just advocate for myself. I think it started the GoFundMe. I had to let go of the pride that I might have had or anything like that. And then I think the support kind of helped me say, this is. This you're on the right track. This is what you need to be. This is what you need to do. I feel like therapy has helped me get my voice. How easy was it for you to to seek therapy? Because here we are in, in 2020, and for several years you felt like you've been 2021. Girl, why did I say 2020? And for several years <laughs> you felt like you um like you've been voiceless. And so, yeah. was there any shame attached to going to therapy for you? Girl, yes. Okay. This is not my first rodeo trying to do therapy. I tried to do therapy about two or three years ago when I was in a dark, dark depression. The deepest, darkest place I've ever been since I've been on this earth. And um, I was so caught up in labels then. I didn't want any more labels on me, right? We already walk around with all these labels as Black women, aggressive mean, angry, just all these things that society has kind of put on us. And I didn't want another label, you know, with insurance, they have to label you to get, to be able to like have your insurance be billed. Unless I was paying out of pocket, I didn't really have to worry about getting a label attached to me. And so when I found that out, it literally was crushing. And so I gave up, I stopped. 
And I tried back again when I was going, when I first got my job that I'm at now, because I was going through so much at, at my job at the beginning. And it, these are all black women too. So I've always wanted to seek out other black women. I didn't, because I felt like they would kind of relate. And the first two was, oh my goodness. It was, I was, I was disappointed. Let me just say, I was very disappointed, but I'm so glad I didn't give up. Fast forward to now, 20, well, 2020, what, then I gave it another shot and I'm so glad I did. I want to back up a little bit when you were talking about you didn't want another label. Mm-hmm. Man, girl, that's deep because like you were saying, as Black women, we are we are labeled all the things. And so what I heard you saying was just the thought of another label being placed on me was traumatic mm-hmm. and you didn't want to be exposed to that type of trauma. And so how did you move from that space of not being labeled into, into I need this support? Oh, that's, that's a great question. And I would say that it was a process. I was just, I had therapy today and we were talking about it and I was reflecting on when I first started and now. And I remember one of my sessions, um, it was in the beginning, I was just angry, like just angry. A lot was on my shoulders. It was a hard work day. And um, I came into the session just, oh my gosh, I was just like, you can't do anything for me. What can you do for me? And she was honest with me. She was like, I was honest. At first, I was just like, what can I do for her? How can I help her? And then I just, she said, and she said, I, le- I just let you vent. And I let you get it out. And that's that right there is the mark of a great therapist. She didn't judge me. She let me get, she didn't, she let me get out my feelings. But she she just was like, this is what I can offer you. Like she just let me get it out. And I want to say, ever since that session, I no longer carried the weight of a label being put on me. I no longer saw therapy as a way of. It was it was no longer a way of something labeling me, but it was a way of me saying I'm entering therapy to rip off everything that has been labeled on me. Right? Girl, don't you preach you here today? Okay. <laughs> That's what I turned around and said, No, this these this hour is for Lakeisha. This hour is to rip off everything that I put on myself, society has put on me family put on me, my job put on me. No, this is my time to rip it off. And so that's what I did. And so I, I, I saw therapy no longer as something that was a woe is me time. Therapy has been an investment in every area of my life. It has been the most powerful thing I, had, I could have ever done for me. That's that's amazing just to hear you say that you were like you here you were feeling like I don't want another label placed on me. But then when you get when you started going through the process, you're saying, okay, therapy is not about placing a label on me, but it's about Mm -hmm. ripping the label off. Oh my gosh, the freedom, the freedom that comes with being able to rip off the labels that society and religion sometimes your family has placed on you just for being black, mm-hmm. just for yes. being 
female just for daring to have a voice and stand up for yourself. And now here you are in therapy saying, you know what? This label gone, poop. This label gone, poop. Not necessarily poop. I don't mean that in, oh, it happened just like that. Because like you're saying, that it's a process. And it's a process of where you never really, in my personal opinion, arrive. I think that we are always constantly arriving because life mm-hmm. is continuing to happen. And as life continues to happen, then we still have work to do. And so, honey child, let me just tell you, I am so happy to see you doing the work. Yes. <laughs> that that hey, just warms my heart. Yes, honey, that warms my heart. <laughs> like when you said like, this is not a place where I'm being labeled, but a place where I'm ripping labels off, girl. Like something just went through me when you said that. I was like, yes, it's come through. Yes with the yeah. testimony yes 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 okay. anywho <laughs> i was listen that was so powerful like that was mega powerful yes, yes. yes. thank you so much for sharing it so yeah. let's talk about some some of those labels like is do you think that being a black woman in america is taxing or emotionally exhausting and even even with going through therapy how are you navigating that on a daily basis. Definitely, I think it's taxing. And I and I hate to say skin color, but uh, because my let me preface, my mother is light skin and I'm dark skin. And I would say I, I felt like because I've been a dark skin black woman, that I've got so many labels, like just all the time, just put on me. Like things I should do, I shouldn't do, from men, I got it, got that from the workplace, just so many different things, right? I supposed to be because I'm a dark skinned black woman. And not to take away that um, there is a, a, a thing that is put on light skinned women to in our society. I'm not, I don't want to sound insensitive to that because me and my mother have had that conversation. Um, but I can, I can only speak for me being dark skin in my experience. And I feel like, so I've wished a lot to be light skin a lot, a lot. And I just recently got out of that. Who I want to say maybe five or six years ago, seven something years ago, I used to literally not want to be as dark as I am now. Now I love the chocolate skin I'm in. You know, I hate to say a food group. I know people are really not liking that either, but I I do. I'm a chocolate, beautiful woman. And it has taken a long time um, for me to really value that and look back in the mirror and be and and think that I was beautiful because I was a dark skinned woman, black woman. Mm -hmm. And so how did I... Tell me a little bit about the second part now. How, I know we talk- how do you how do you navigate being a dark skinned woman in in America, where labels are placed on you, where the expectations of dark skinned black women are a little different, where we are automatically where people look at us and they automatically think we're angry because we are dark skinned. You know how are you navigating the labels as a dark skinned black woman? I definitely think of course therapy has definitely helped me because it's given me um, a way that I can just, I feel like I've been on this unconditional love journey um, since I got in therapy. 
Like I'm unconditionally loving me. Like I will want somebody to love me. Right. I'm not, I'm not waiting for anybody to say they love and accept me because I'm doing that to myself. And for so long, I did that. I wanted other people to see in me what I didn't, didn't even see in myself. And now I'm seeing things in myself and I no longer need that on the outside. And so I think affirming like affirmations, I speak over myself. I declare things over my life. I speak, I just speak a lot of stuff over my life. I tell myself how proud I am. Even when people, you know, have made me feel like I shouldn't be proud of myself or my accomplishments. I I constantly am, you know, doing things, self-care things, whether that's giving myself a mask, a taking a bubble bath, um, taking a, a taking a refreshing shower with eucalyptus hanging on my shower head, getting a scrub for my body, just all those different things, just literally loving on myself like no other. Taking a day off work for a mental health day. I remember when I was actually working in an office every day. I had like our CEO, she was a black woman and she was like the bomb.com because she would come to me and she would, you know, if I had some things going on and, and she happened to know about it and she would come to me and she was like, Hey, just let me know if you need a mental health day. And so oh, wow. like that meant the world to me for another <sighs> black woman to recognize that. And that was like seven or eight years ago where, where mental health was a bit, was still a bit taboo and it's still kind of taboo in, in the yes. black, in the black community. Yes. Yes. For her to say, if you, you know, if you feel like you need a mental health day, then she would freely give me that. And it wasn't, oh, you can take this day unpaid or you can use one of your personal days or one of your vacation days. She's like, if you need a mental health day, let me know and let's make it happen. Because it was so important to her that she took care of her employees. And I think even, you know, in in the workspace where people are actually you know, still going into jobs and stuff. I think we need more of that, more of, you know, employers and and corporations and these big businesses taking mental health seriously, especially when it comes to the black female, because I don't know how many times I have to say this, but our experiences are not the same as everybody else, because there are these tons of unrealistic expectations that are placed on Mm -hmm. the black woman, which leads me into my next question. Do you feel like as you were growing up that you were expected to be built black girl tough? Like, was that an expectation that was thrust upon you? And did you feel like you had to walk in that? Of course. My my mother, I love her dearly, but she was a mother. She's a woman who did not take any stuff. She was like, people know my mother as are you, is your mother the woman that used to fight men? Like my mother, she was that type of woman. Like she was a go-getter. She didn't take any mess from anyone. And so being so different from her, I was timid. I was, I cried a lot. I was sensitive. She could not understand me. Like literally. She would I was, I'm a crybaby. That, well, that was my name oh, growing God. up in my family. Yeah. I was such a crybaby. Oh, you, you just need to be tougher. You're weak. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, it, it hurt my feelings a lot, you know, because I know my mother 
didn't understand what she was putting on me, right? I think she wanted me to be like her because that's how she dealt with the world. That's how, that's how she was, that's, that what, that's what made her black girl tough. And so she thought she was only passing the mantle to me, like here, this, this is the, this is the blueprint of how you survive as a black woman in America, but it didn't work for me. All she did was put more weight on me unknowingly. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. So what, what I learned was that being weak, being sensitive, crying and showing emotion was something you should never do. And I think, I think a lot of um, black parents did, did that because I, my mom didn't intentionally do that, do that to me, but that's what I learned growing up right. in, in our household that, and like I said, she did, our parents did the best they could with the information they had. So yeah. we, we are not here to judge <laughs> and, and say they no. were parent, horrible parents. That's not what we're doing. But I think that they did unintentionally teach us that feeling a feeling or experiencing an, an emotion or shedding a tear was unacceptable. And they mm-hmm. did that because they were black women trying to survive in a mm-hmm. world that catered to masculinity. And mm-hmm. so as the world is catering to masculinity, I think our parents, especially our mothers, were trying to find their places in the world. Where do I fit in here? How can I blend in? How can I make sure that my child is taken care of? And so a lot of times that was teaching us to toughen up. You know, be mm. tough because this is how black women survive in a man's world. And so mm. I, I don't think that you, as a matter of fact, I know that was not your mom's intent. It was not my mom's intent. They did the best they could. And they thought in that moment they were doing what they were required to do as a parent to make sure that we knew how to take care of ourselves as yeah. we were growing up in a male dominated world. So. Kudos to them for doing the best they could. <laughs> right. But I, I, I love that we're having this conversation because I also see where you, since you are in therapy, you are now beginning to unlearn some of those behaviors and saying, you know what, that my mom thought that worked for her. I know that that type of life is not going to work for me. And so now I see that you are making the shift. So what does it feel like? to finally be making the shift. How freeing is it for Lakeisha? Oh, goodness. That's that's a beautiful question. That's such a beautiful question because, again, we talked about it. You t- said the word earlier, and it's, it's freedom. I feel like I love butterflies, and I feel like I can see myself through this process going through the cycle of a butterfly. Oh, girl, yes. Oh my goodness, and, I'm gonna cry. Okay, I know literally that's I literally as I was saying it says I wanna cry too because I never thought I would be here. Um I never thought I can experience this much freedom on earth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just I was so um depressed and down and didn't love myself. Mm-hmm. And therapy has been a place for me 
to get uplifted, to get poured into, mm-hmm. to have somebody see and hear me, to have somebody point out um, the things in me that I never thought to even pull out in myself. And it has changed the way I talk to myself, how yeah. I carry myself, the aura, the energy that I want to give to this universe, to people around me. Mm-hmm. It has been just a holistic approach in my life. I'm literally like a butterfly and I'm getting my wings. I'm getting my wings to fly in this world with without weight, right? A butterfly doesn't have any weight on it to hold it down, right? It's shedding all of that, right? It's it's getting the strength as it's going through its stages to get up and fly. I feel like that's what therapy has done for me. It's giving me the strength, giving me the tools that I can now, when it's time for me to fly and I am about to lift off, I got those things. I got those things. I'm ready to soar up in the sky. And when I need to come back down and grab something, I do. And then I go back up and fly again. And so, yeah, like, yeah, it just feels good. It feels like I feel the wind beneath my wings. You know what I mean? I feel I I can, when you're up there in in the sky, you can see all the beautiful things that are around you. You can now be grateful for those things that didn't, and you're walking away from anything that's not serving you, right? Mm -hmm. If it's not serving you, walk away from it and feel good about it. Absolutely. Girl, that was so good. (laughs) That was so good. I feel like that's a great note to end on, Lakeisha, but I do want to ask one other question. So Mm -hmm. as as we're in this season and in season four, and we're talking about the things that the cake has cost us. And I know you said in the beginning, you felt like it was costing you your voice, but, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but just hearing you talk now, I feel mm-hmm. like the cake was costing you your freedom. Oh. And you have now found your freedom and you are walking in mm-hmm. Would you agree or disagree? Oh, yes. Yes, sis. I agree. I agree. (laughs) With the big smile on my face, it definitely cost me. I'm free. It was costing my freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Freedom to be, right? Freedom Freedom to to be. be. Yes. Yes. Freedom to just be. To (laughs) just be. Absolutely. Girl, this was so good. Yes, this was so good. Well, our time is just about up. But Keisha, I do want you to, uh, if you have some closing remarks for our listeners who may be in that space that you were in where, you know, the Kate was costing them their voice and their freedom to just be, what closing words would you have for that lady who might be listening and perhaps she can't afford to go to therapy? Perhaps Mm -hmm. she doesn't, you know, know which direction to go in what words could you offer her to give her some support today this is an honor to even say but i would say for those who it's hard for them to like they can't afford it at the moment i definitely say start with a podcast especially this one this one especially this one yes girl especially (laughs) this one because and that's not no pun joke this podcast has truly when I didn't have what I have now this has been a this was a place for me to go Mm -hmm. and just get some things that help me shift start Mm -hmm. my shifting process right 
Right. And so I would start, I would say start there. But if you do have the funds and the resources, I would say, and you maybe have tried therapy before, I would say just don't give up. You know, that person, that person that is for you and for your journey is out there. Absolutely. Like you are worth it, sis. Sis, you and your mental health are worth it to oh, keep okay. trying. Just like we try on everybody else, keep trying on ourselves Absolutely. when it comes to mental health. Do not give up on that. And no, that's it. I I love you all. And that's it. Absolutely. Come through, Lakeisha. Do what you do. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for sharing so openly. Yeah. your experience with us because I believe with everything in me that this is going to make an impact in somebody's life. So I am so grateful that you reached out and say, Hey, I want to share my story because we like, even as black women, we have not yet arrived in being comfortable to share our story because there's this, there's, um, there's a, a level of shame attached to some of the things that we've gone through. And so yeah. I appreciate you for stepping into that and holding space for other women, honestly, because that's what we're doing. We're holding space for other women to give so that they will have the courage and the strength to disticate. And that, and that's it, mm-hmm. to disticate. And so like yeah. Lakeisha was saying, if you are not able to afford therapy, podcasts are a great place to great place to start and Shades of Strong is definitely a a good podcast but I will also recommend Therapy for Black Girls that Mm -hmm. is an amazing podcast she's um, Dr. Um, what is her name? Joy. Dr. Joy yeah it's actually a licensed licensed therapist and so Mm -hmm. yeah check check out her podcast Um, and can I mention one more Black Black Girls Heal Black Girls Heal Heal. Mm mm-hmm that's definitely another one, guys. Yeah. yeah, so definitely check that out. And I'm also going to leave a link in the show notes of this episode that actually has um, some options for affordable therapy. So if you're in a position where you can't pay whatever your therapist may be, may be um, charging at the time or perhaps your insurance doesn't cover it, there are some other options available. And I will leave them in the show notes of this episode. So, yeah. So, yeah, because, you know, we all need some support. And by all means, if you need us, reach out. Don't hesitate to reach out to myself or um, Natty or even to Lakeisha. We'll leave her contact information down in the show notes of this episode as well. As a matter of fact, Lakeisha, I don't even ask you to introduce yourself. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So go ahead and tell us where we can find you in the online space. Um, yeah, I'm definitely on Facebook, uh, Lakeisha Carter, um, and my email will be down below. So those are mainly the two spaces that I'll be at. I'm not on Facebook a lot. I take a lot of breaks sometimes, yeah. but yeah. you can reach me there, but email, you can get to me um, faster. Okay. And again, we'll leave all of Lakeisha's information in, in the show notes of this episode. So if you want to reach out to her for some, um, sister to sister support. I feel confident in saying she got you, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I do believe that. All right, guys, we are going to get ready to get out of here. As I said in the beginning, be sure you are following us on all social media platforms. We're Shades of Strong everywhere. 
You can shout me out. Um, if you are not comfortable reaching out to Lakeisha and you want me to do it on your behalf, I'm happy to do that as well. Whatever you need, we got you. All right. Until next time, we're out.